You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Well, folks, it's hard to believe some people actually saw snowflakes during the course of the night. Um, I get that some people get excited at that. And especially the past few winters have not been kind to those that are in the snow business, whether it's, you know, plow removing. Um, Even the mountains up north have certainly had some some problems and some challenges but by and large um i think a lot of us feel that um well just more and more people start to realize and enjoy the summer months when we have them and then you just see especially because the way things are here in the northeast you just have more people from our area not only escaping the area but escaping somewhere south and warm well, Rhode Island has a new congressman. He was sworn in. Gabe Amo was officially sworn in. Let's pick up the report from Channel 12. Thank you for joining us. I'm Mike Montecalvo. And I'm Shannon Heggie. Amo won last week's special election to replace Rhode Island Congressman David Cicilline, taking nearly 65% of the vote. 12 News reporter Matt Paddock walks us through the historic swearing in and the latest on a potential government shutdown. Matt? Rhode Island is one of the original colonies of the United States, one of the states represented by the 13 stripes on the American flag. But tonight, for the first time, Rhode Island's swearing in the state's first representative of color. Do you solemnly swear or affirm that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic? I will. Congratulations. You are now a member of the 118th eruption of cheers and applause in the people's house as democrat and pawtucket native gabe amo officially sworn into office tonight rhode island's other congressman seth magaziner welcoming his new colleague to the house and in those 233 years rhode island has never sent an african-american or any person of color to congress until today amo breaking a glass ceiling Thank you to the people of the 1st Congressional District and those across Rhode Island for giving me the opportunity to serve in the people's house. Everyone from Woonsocket to Newport, East Providence to Cumberland, Providence to Bristol, and of course, the great city of Pawtucket. After his official swearing-in, the 35-year-old shared a special moment with his parents, ceremonially being sworn in by U.S. House Speaker Mike Johnson alongside his mom, and dad. You got a big delegation. You got you to really be do Small well. but mighty. That's right. That's right. Amo took the oath at a crucial time with a funding deadline Friday night to avoid a government shutdown. Amo joining anchor Kim Kalunian live on 12 News at 4 last week, where Amo said keeping the government lights on is top of mind. Do you think you'll be in place before the 17th? That is my goal. I want to be a, a vote uh, in, in favor of keeping government open. And so uh, I am uh, hopeful that this takes place early next week, just hours after being sworn into Congress. Democratic leader Hakeem Jeffries announcing Amo has been recommended to be appointed to the House Committee on Foreign Affairs. Reporting in studio, Matt Paddock, 12 News. He, uh, he does have a remarkable story, and he, you know, came out of, think about that, he left his job at the White House, moved back to Rhode Island, won a very competitive primary, kind of sailed through the general, and now he's down in D.C. Now, <clears throat> how's he going to do? Well, he's up for re-election next fall. So just one year, get established. As you can imagine, raise some money. Uh, but Gabe Amo, a remarkable, talk about a self-made guy, success story. He is now in Congress. It was also interesting, talk about polar opposites between him and Congressman Seth Magaziner. Gabe Amo, I mean, mother works as a nurse. The father runs his own liquor store. This is someone who has, you know, earned and worked everything he's ever had. I believe he makes someone like a Seth Magaziner nervous because Seth Magaziner, born of privilege, everything given to him, you know, it was uh, automatic that he would get into Ivy League school, automatic that he would become, his family loaned him a huge amount of money to become the general treasurer. He didn't even live in the district when he announced he was going to run CD2 because he just assumed, of course, that's another part of the privilege. And now there he is introducing his polar opposite in the form of Gabe 
Amo, but he is the new congressman for CD1. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. AJ, drywall, plaster, home improvement, call them today for a free quote. You can also find them on Facebook, 401-323-9252. 323-9252, AJ, drywall, plasters, home improvement, frame to finish basements. What a difference it'll make in your basement. Acoustic ceilings, look how beautiful your ceiling could be. New homes, additions, also commercial rehabs, painting, remodeling contact them today it's a family-run business aj drywall plaster home improvements call for a free quote what a difference they'll make in your home your ceilings floors basements 401-323-9252 what a difference beautiful walls and ceilings 401-323-9252 you can also find them on facebook it's AJ Drywall Plaster and Home Improvements for your home or business. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. You know, it's hard to believe, but the presidential race, think how much this is about to kick in very, very quickly. And I'm anxious to see just how much... Um, President Trump's legal problems, if it is in fact going to start to bleed in. Let's hear this latest report about the situation in Georgia. ...to power in 2020 directly from those who were there trying to help him do it. And ABC News can now show you some of the tapes. This morning, what two attorneys who used to advise former President Trump were willing to say to prosecutors as part of their plea deals. He always wanted to know where things were in terms of finding fraud that would change the results of the election. So he would contact you? Sure. Sidney Powell and Jenna Ellis pleaded guilty to reduce charges and agreed to cooperate. ABC News has obtained portions of video recordings of their confidential interviews with prosecutors. His trusted advisors were telling him, sir, you lost. Right. That's, that's, so my, I guess my question is, why, why in his mind was your credibility higher than theirs? Because I didn't think he had lost. Aides were telling him he lost, but Powell said Trump was so determined to stay in office, he weighed a plan to seize voting machines in multiple states. That would have allowed the machines to be secured in four or five states or cities and see about doing a bipartisan or military or whatever everybody agreed on. Uh, review of the machines. Jenna Ellis told prosecutors she was at the 2020 White House Christmas party when Trump aide Dan Scavino told her Trump simply planned to refuse to leave office. He said um, to me in a kind of excited tone, well, we don't care and we're not going to leave. Ellis said she asked him, what do you mean? He said the boss uh, is not going to leave under any circumstances. We are just going to stay in power. And I said to him, well, it doesn't quite work that way, you realize. And he said, we don't care. Scavino did not respond to requests for comment. An attorney for Trump called the purported conversation meaningless since Trump ultimately did leave the White House. Trump has denied any wrongdoing. It's not a direct quote from Donald Trump where Donald Trump is saying that he's going to remain in power no matter what. But it lends credibility to uh, other testimony that we've heard from other witnesses that he was going to stay in power no matter what. Ellis and Powell are two of four defendants who have pleaded guilty in the case. We're told others have previously been offered plea deals. George, any cooperator could be called to testify once this sprawling racketeering case goes to trial. George. And Aaron, this is just one case. Of course, the civil fraud trial is still going on in New York City. And Donald Trump Jr. is back on the stand. He was here as the first witness for the defense, and he painted a much different picture of the Trump family real estate portfolio than the judge, who has said all that... Trump properties were overvalued. Nearly three dozen times, Trump Jr. used the word spectacular to describe Trump properties, the result of his father's genius and vision. For example, he said Trump turned the old post office in Washington, D.C. into one of the finest hotels in the world. He called Trump World Tower next to the United Nations just a sexy place and Mar-a-Lago, one of the few American castles. All testimony meant to bolster the defense claim that valuing real estate is more art than science, George. I think he has a point there as well. How many times, folks, do you see uh, 
where someone purchases a home or a piece of property, and it could be much more than people would think it is, but to that person, it's there's a lot of value into it. So I think a lot of that does come into play. Now, how about Paul Pelosi testifying in the trial about the guy that broke into the couple's home last year, struck him in the head with a hammer? Remember that story? There was wild speculation at the time that somehow that man was like a friend of his, so to speak. In court, telling his story publicly for the first time about how he was attacked in his own home. This moment caught on police body camera. Drop the hammer. Pelosi describes being awakened in his own bedroom by a man looming over him holding a hammer. Pelosi saying it was a tremendous sense of shock to recognize that someone had broken into the house and looking at him and looking at the hammer, wondering if he was going to be murdered. I recognized I was in serious danger. Prosecutors asking him about this fateful 911 call. This gentleman just uh, came into the house. Uh, and he wants to wait here for my wife to come home. Zero, two, and so, uh, four, and 48. Anyway, do, you know, do you know who the person is? No, I don't know who he is. Closer recalls speaking to the dispatcher in code, wanting to alert the police that he was in grave danger without provoking the suspect, David DePap. Prosecutors asking Pelosi why he was so coy on the call. Pelosi saying there was this very large man threatening. He told me he was going to take me out. Pelosi also told the jury that the Pap planned to kidnap and possibly torture his wife, then Speaker of the House Nancy Pelosi. Well, I was going to basically hold her hostage and I was going to talk to her and basically tell her what I do. And I tried to hold her hostage and do what? And talk to her. If she told the truth, I'd let her go scot-free. Right. If she lied, I was going to Pelosi saying Monday he remembered waking up in a pool of blood. His skull cracked. Oh. Plus, he says his injuries were incredibly painful and he's tried all these months never to watch any news coverage of the incident, saying, quote, I made my best effort possible not to relive it. That is until yesterday, guys. Now, as bizarre as that story is and was, I still think it was rather. Um, I, I, I just thought it was a really poor taste. There were people that were absolutely convinced that this had been that there were drugs involved, that there was even uh, money exchange for uh, favors of some kind. And uh, th granted, the people that were making those allegations are not, you know, now they're not coming forward like, oh, OK, maybe I guess I was wrong about that. Um, when when you then break it out, I mean, that was that was a pretty um, – <clears throat> horrible thing that happened i i agree it's still odd though about didn't have proper security you would think with uh who nancy pelosi was and that they didn't have better security but i'm not sure what to explain uh, how to explain that folks you're listening to the john DePetro show propane plus call them today heating and cooling in rhode island 401 885-4209 in Massachusetts, 508-252-3359 for Propane Plus. Three generations you can always depend on Propane Plus for all your heating and cooling. Call them today, 401-885-4209. Three generations, they're available 24-7 for service and delivery, and they're going to serve you for a very long time. They have a great user-friendly website. You just log on at propaneplus.com. And then you type in your zip code, residential, commercial, propane plus, heating and cooling, always there for you. Give them a call today in Rhode Island, 401-885-4209. In Massachusetts, 508-252-3359. The Johnson family, three generations, heating and cooling. You can always depend on propane plus. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. Well, this story is too bad. The Bryant University basketball coach, Jared Grasso, announced his resignation. And this is someone that seemingly came in, brought the basketball program to another level. They had tremendous success. First ever NCAA tournament appearance. And he ran into some problems off the court. 
But he now says his, in, his resignation was difficult, but at best for his family, mental health. He wrote, Dear supporters and friends, mixed emotions um, that I announced by resignation, heads men's basketball coach at Bryant. My role as father, husband's everything, rigors of a coach lifestyle, three young children, extremely challenging. Uh, physical health, mental, must come first at this time. Uh, for the last 25 years, I've chased this game impacting lives uh, blah 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 so listen there, there was certainly a lot that was um going on clearly it wasn't just the arrest and that famous arrest with the body cam police body cam footage that he was just ranting and raving and involved in a hit and run it, it wasn't just that there was clearly something going on behind the scenes uh something involving his activity we don't know what it is he's a young guy he was getting paid uh, a good amount of money it sounds like they've come to some kind of an agreement you hate to hear something like this i'll tell you why i i hate to hear a story like this simply because this is someone who he you know he believed in the program he seemingly really had things going with the program um and it wasn't like it was a it was a losing season it wasn't like a losing record but there's clearly something going on here um, that that he got involved in, and he needs to step away. So, but he um, number one, they made the NCAA. That was huge. That win at you know over Syracuse. That was that was a that was a big time win. That was a big time win when you have uh, a program that seemingly comes out of nowhere. And then suddenly there they are, and they're defeating the likes of a Syracuse. I mean, that was a that was a big time moment for Bryant basketball. But it is over. Jared Grasso. Now they have the coach right now. I don't know if that's going to be a permanent coach. I don't know if it'll be an interim coach. He'll uh, maybe he's going to have to. I don't know what he's going to do. Actually, I'm not even going to speculate. But what we do know is the basketball coach at Bryant University, Jared Grasso is out now as the coach of Bryant. You're listening to The John DePietro Show. The Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue, West Warwick. Delicious food and drink. They have a great bar area, always a dependable menu. Whether you're going to eat there or take out, a delicious meal is waiting for you at the Coesed Inn. Look for them online. You can also find them on Facebook. Whether it's lunch, dinner, or drinks in the lounge, always a good time at the Coesed Inn, 226 Coesed Avenue in West Warwick. Folks, you're listening to the John DePietro Show. It's time for our segment, Politics This Week. Joining us, he's the managing editor for Incorising.com. It is Justin Katz. And Justin, let's start off. Boy, it already seems like a long time ago. But the uh, CD1 results, uh, basically, uh, Gabe Ammo, Gary Leonard, uh, we already know the what the result was. But I'm curious your thoughts uh, now that we've had a chance to see the numbers and how the, the uh, race broke out. Well, I mean, it, it wasn't surprising. And part of the problem with that is our, our new reality where – Basically, if you're if you're trying to predict the outcome, you in any in any large race, significant race in Rhode Island, basically the Republicans are going to get between thirty and thirty five percent reliably. That's basically the range, and so it it kind of takes some of the fun and excitement out of the out of the process because you know that that's going to be the result. But you know this was this was understood by all. This is why you had uh, Secretary of State Gregor Amore introducing uh, Gabe Ammo as the next congressman even before the election you know it's because this was expected and it's in some ways it's it's almost there's some degree of self-fulfilling prophecy to it i mean because it's so really uninteresting the news media doesn't pay attention and because the news media doesn't pay attention it doesn't get generate any excitement so it's it's kind of a part of just the the deep deep corrosion of our, our civics is is how I how I see this result and I I think it ought to ought to give people on on all all sides of the aisle uh, a little bit of pause that we're, we're in a situation where we're we're handing out what have become 
basically lifetime appointment seats unless, you know, Rhode Island loses a congressional seat because of population loss. Um, but these are lifetime appointments and it's it's almost like a ho-hum yawn fest when it comes to an election, which is a, a shame. You know, it's interesting, Justin, <clears throat> as far as the Rhode Island Republican Party, it almost seems, you tell me, but the goal seems to be more of get someone who at least has, you know, a credible candidate, in this case, uh, Gary Leonard, 30 years in the Marine Corps. So get someone like that and then lose gracefully seems to be more of the objective than actually, you know, winning, winning the race. It's almost like let's have someone who won't embarrass us, looks like a candidate, and then most importantly, you know, will lose gracefully. Almost like a team that's just concerned that when they're going to lose, at least their uniforms will will look like a professional team. <laughs> yeah, something like that. The Washington Generals uh, used to go against the Harlem Globetrotters all the time. Right. <laughs> it's kind of that kind of sort of thing. You know, I I, I think there's a, a lot more. The, the baseline criterion for a Republican running for a statewide seat or, or a federal seat in this case, uh, is that they have the resources, well, the time to spend on their own campaign and the resources to loan it money or, or pay for it. Those seem to be the real criteria to become a congressional or gubernatorial or other candidate. And a lot of those people, I, I don't know why they're doing it. I mean, they, they know they've got no shot, so maybe it's just something fun to do and as they're older and successful. But um, they're going to do that losing gracefully thing, which, you know, I, I'm all for losing gracefully. Although, you know, when at some point you're, you're not acknowledging the reality of the opponent, you know, what's, what's your case if when you, every time you lose, you go, okay, well, I look forward to you doing a great job, you know, or, well, then why did you run? Why do we need you? What, right. what's, if they're doing a great job, what's, what's the point? But I, I think a lot of the, the real problem is, so the, the motivation of the people running is one thing. And then the, the party, the folks who are doing it in the party, I, you know, I think it's just sort of, they want to get involved. They want to try to do something good. And there's just no there, there. There's no, there's no leverage. There's no, um, there's no kind of party infrastructure. There's no money. They bring nothing to the table, which is why they need savior candidates who can fund their own campaigns. And so, you know, they'll they'll do what they can, and then they'll move on with their next hobby. And I think that's kind of the kind of the the rut they're in, and and nobody seems to have a sense of how to shake it. But I do know that if you're if you're being complimented by all the right Democrats for for losing gracefully in a in a by a big margin. You're, you're probably missing something. And to me, that, that I mean, we're referring to a particular tweet uh, from, yes. with G Jerry, Gary Leonard <laughs> hugging Gay Mammo, which, you know, great, great comedy after C-O-M-M-I-T-Y after the, after the election. But it, it, it really ties, I think, to his entire problem through the beginning, which was just a real no, really no making the case. Like, why are you running? You know, what's, well, how are you going to appeal to your base of voters? And I think that, that just characterized uh, Leonard from the beginning. Although, you know, I'm skeptical that it would have made much difference. He did get he did get up to the the 35 percent maximum of a of a Republican. So, um, that, but he didn't shake anything up. He didn't he didn't run a, a compelling race that would get people excited. And that's that's kind of structurally what we have for Republicans in the state. They've got to find some way to to get past that. And he, he had never run before. So, Justin, I think his low number, it also, unfortunately now, <clears throat> I think it makes it harder for the party to convince someone like that to run again. Because as you and I both know, this seat is up again. If he had run and lost like a 58 to 42, ideally like a 56 to 44, okay, you know, we need 10 points here. How are we going to do that? I think then someone might be more inclined. The 35%, as a Republican said to me, is... The problem is when you get blown out so much, you walk away like, OK, well, I'm never doing that again, as opposed to I'm going to take the holidays off. I'm going to you know, start it up again in February. And this time around, I have better name recognition. One thing that surprises me, Justin Katz, and again, folks, our segment is politics this week, is he did win Republican Leonard. He won Woodsocket, Smithfield, North Smithfield. So you have that corner. What I find frustrating and, and I don't understand from the Republican Party is why, you know, they should have known that or could have known that. Um, but you build on that. Then you say, OK, he ran competitive in Lincoln. Uh, how many votes? What could we do to now build up Lincoln? That could have been four places that he won. You know, Cumberland, 
in some ways, he ran maybe competitively, could have been in play. It, it, you got to start to like build some blocks. Um, and, and granted, he got blown out in Providence, ninety to ten. But I, I don't know if there was any effort. I don't, I don't think I really even saw any type of campaign effort in Providence. What do, you, what do you thought on running again or a strategy for? for 2024 well i i think what the republican party should have done when when gary leonard came forward was say yeah let's not do congress okay let's start with your town sure. council or let's start with the general assembly and then you get you get people building name recognition and and learning the ropes and how to do it and and giving them some sense of victory and so when they get to congress the congressional race even if they say oh i lost badly they're they're in it they know they can win and right. politics instead of just just like a, an expensive hobby for a year but the so I, and I, but I think you're right and I think the the value of looking through those results in particular areas is to then target those areas for local races and if and this this is the problem there's there's no infrastructure for republicans there's no there's no salary for anybody to actually do this so it's it's really 100% volunteer and then everybody gets to where they stab each other in the back when they did have small disagreements so it becomes frustrating and everybody walks away but what they need to do is look through these results say where were we reasonable reasonably strong step 1 step 2 who do we know there who's there who's up and coming who's been running who let's help them to secure that area and make it a little bit stronger so next time we've got somebody running they get a stronger margin and we've got a base of support we can we can send people to the general assembly and get them on that pipeline that's that's the the next step uh, but i think with regard to the the overall election results well first of all the mail ballots amo won 83% so republicans really need to find a way wow. to neutralize that uh, wow. and they it shouldn't be that hard i mean with technology today you just need somebody with a little bit of understanding and they can they can break up the data and and get find you all of those voters and you can maximize mail ballots and when when mail ballots start becoming a tie or, or even a liability to democrats then you'll know that they'll 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 start to rein in the abuse of mail ballots once the, once they're not helping them anymore so that's one area they've got to at least neutralize that and then providence they do they need to start making inroads and it's not yeah. clear how to do that but i mean i remember i know 10 15 years ago working with the center for freedom and prosperity when uh we were starting to try to find audiences in providence what we heard was you know Republicans come and even even a conservative folks in Providence were saying Republicans come here and I mean minorities in this case and they they think they kind of deserve our vote but you you need to come talk to us you need to ask you need to be present and I know the Tea Party was active starting to go into Providence and look for allies there that's got to be done and I mean you don't have to win the city but you need to ha do better than ninety ten right I mean that's in a statewide election it's the number exactly. of votes you don't you don't win the electors of Providence right. if you get if you get Seven, uh, 30% of the vote in Providence, that's a huge swing for Republicans statewide. And so that's that's the next thing they need to do. And then actually, I was thinking also about, uh, we, we've discussed before the recent city council race in Cranston, where a large part of the problem was the infighting. And I think that's the, yeah. that's the, the kind of the fourth area Republicans really need to do some thinking about is how do we, how do we keep each other in line? How do we, how do we stop the infighting? How do we, I mean, you, you is a lot of people with very strong ideas at this point. Nobody's in it for a career. They're all in it because they believe in it. And that can, that's great, but it also creates a risk. And so they, they really need to figure out how to, how to kind of solidify that and overcome that when you don't have, you know, basically patronage jobs throughout state government that can, and nonprofits that can keep people in line. And those, if they start to address any of those uh, issues, I think they'll make gains and maybe, maybe shift the margin back to the 35 to 40%, which would at least be, be something. Folks, quick break, much more ahead politics this week. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com right here on the John DePietro show. When it comes to insurance, you need a neighbor, a partner, and friend. You need Shoppa Insurance Agency. They're located right on Reservoir Avenue in Cranston. Call today, free consultation, 401-900-INSU, 401-900-4678, Shoppa Insurance, SIA. Stephen, very experienced, whether it's auto, home, renters, business insurance, flood, 
recreational umbrella, any other protection for your assets, Rhode Island and Massachusetts, Shapa Insurance Agency, your agency of choice. Call today, set up a meeting. They're so knowledgeable, can have everything under one roof. Call Shapa Insurance today, 401 900 insu or 401-900-4678 look for them on facebook again located reservoir avenue in cranston shopper insurance agency your neighbor your partner your friend one-stop insurance solutions our segment is politics this week with us is justin katz managing editor anchorising.com justin i just want to finish off on the cd1 race you know, um, I have since learned that with this whole situation, the last the month of October, <clears throat> there was concern within the AMO campaign regarding a big part of uh, CD1 as far as the Providence East Side uh, voters. You, you have a large number of Jewish voters that Cicilline uh, could always count on, Patrick Kennedy could always count on. This presented a certain challenge. It reaffirmed my belief. When we talk about you and I talk about trying to make gains in Providence, I believe Am, uh, Gabe Amo, he gave, you know, unequivocal yes for Israel. There's no difference in our position. It's my understanding they did feel that that could have been a pivotal moment. I believe uh, Republican Gary Leonard missed an opportunity. And I even said it at the time to, you know, the guy was posing with the leader of Black Lives Matter, who, you know, is all in for ceasefire and Palestinians. Um uh, Gabe Amo was posing with a member of the squad. I It reaffirmed to me, when you and I talk about trying to cut into that 90-10, I think it was a missed opportunity. But going forward, that could be an issue the Republicans have been searching for, which is the large Jewish population on the east side, and, and <clears throat> use the issue of how Democrats are divided on Israel to try to get some Republican support. Well, you, you raise a great point, and I, I think particularly the, the Jewish community in, in Providence brings in other issues. Like they, They've been heavily involved in school choice issues, I know, which is another yeah. area where Republicans could, could make urban gains. I mean, it's not – there are issues, but for some reason, uh, it, few people want to dive into that and, and really make an issue of it. And, you know, I think part of it is – I mean, we were talking about the, the losing gracefully and, and – uh, so people who are coming in and funding their campaigns for their own reasons may not they may not want to be that person who makes it makes it violent and bloody about you know Israel you're you're posing with with the squad you know, they they might not want to be those people which is part of the problem of not having a strong republican uh, group because they could be those people and let the candidate keep his hands or her hands pretty clean exactly. in that fight yeah. and but that's a problem but the the larger issue is just not having that coherent um that coherent platform. And part of it is that once you do that, you, once you, once you make any gains really as a, as a Republican or a conservative in the state, you become the the villain in all the media stories. You are clearly the, the you're the opponent. You've, you've definitely got evil Coke billionaire money in your, in your accounts. You're somehow corrupt and you want to kill people. That becomes your story. And the kind of candidates that Republicans are, are finding are people who are funding their own campaign. They don't want to, they're not doing it to become the villain of Rhode Island. Um, that's the, I mean, that's, that's really not why, unlikely to be what their motivation is. And so I think that's, that's part of the problem that's keeping them from really digging in where there's opportunities so in a Jewish community, in a school, school choice, which uh, black families really support school choice uh, in polls as well. So that's, those are areas they could dive into mail uh, ballot fraud, but they, uh, there's just something, something in the structure of, of the way Rhode Island does things. And I think a lot of it has to do with becoming that villain. That yeah. Prevents or, that. or even understanding the role to me, it's like, well, like I've said, I just don't think they know how to win. It doesn't even appear occur to them, actually, like, hey, I should jump in. And I've been saying that as well. Be the bad cop and let him be the good cop. But the chairman just doesn't seem to understand that or embrace that role. Now, Justin, also, uh, folks, again, politics this week with Justin Katz. Uh, when socket mayor Lisa Baldelli Hunt becomes another official this year to not take to me the oath that they took seriously in resign now certainly there's a lot of smoke here about an investigation i'm just curious to hear your thoughts on the resignation of the woodsocket mayor 
Well, well, see, I guess the, the noise is, is, is for health reasons, which, yeah, I guess when you when a spotlight comes on you for potential corruption investigation, it, it, it yeah. gets stressful and it can affect your health. That's for sure. Uh, you know, as 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 we've discussed before, the you've got all this money and you've got ideological smokescreen. So you've got federal money that nobody local really cares where it came from. It comes from this big mess called Washington, D.C. And then you've got, oh, affordable housing. That's a fashionable thing. And it's a, a those sorts of areas are a great place to hide money. The money's got to go somewhere and you can bet there are people lining up to grab it. And so, you know, she, she got caught because I think in apparently or allegedly, and it, because it seems like a pretty brazen move, you know, somebody close gets a giant deal. That's, that's the math isn't even that difficult to do on the value of the property versus what was pled, what was given. Uh, so that's, that's just the way you're, they're going to find ways to use this money to their advantage. It's in the nature of politics. Uh, so it's, it's, it's not surprising. What's surprising is that it's, it's not more common. I mean, you would, you'd think this would be catching up people across the board in Rhode Island, but I, I it's, you know, this is com- very speculative, but just as it feels interesting that one of the few places that Gary Leonard wins is also where this kind of corruption gets caught. And that yeah. could be because there are conservatives and Republican and at least leaning members, I don't know all their party affiliation on the city council and in, in city government who are keeping an eye on these things, uh, which is a healthy possibility. And then there's also the possibility of that others in at the state level are more inclined to investigate more conservative areas. But I think I, I like the positive area, and it really does show the value of having split government where yes. people on the city council are not the same party. They're not just negotiating over scraps. They're actually disagree, and they have incentive to go after each other. And if you could apply that, if you could get to where the Republicans in a General Assembly, say, had a had a sizable caucus and could actually affect legislation and had a had enough people and enough budget to, to do investigations, I think you'd see a lot more of this sort of exposure throughout state government. But at this point, they're all on the same team. Uh, and that, that's why, I, that could be why it seems so rare that these actually, these corruption investigations actually... Uh, bring up anything folks again uh we're speaking with justin katz managing editor anchorising.com our segment is politics this week justin two congress former congressman cicilline stories one he was supposed to head a fundraiser for the democrat party complete conflict with the uh, rhode island foundation and gave basically no type of explanation other than uh, suddenly a spotlight went on and he canceled and number two what do you make of this it was kathy gregg of the province journal that talked about he appeared at a forum with the Boston Globe and talked about the Rhode Island Foundation investing in local journalism. I'm curious to hear your thoughts on both. Well, I, I think it's all of a piece. I mean, the about 12 to 15 years ago, the Rhode Island Foundation started a new civic fund. Uh, so, and it was, it's been a relatively small percentage, but it was its fastest, fastest growing fund. And it was, it was part of this move we've observed with Rhode Island Foundation in the last 15 years of becoming sort of a, a behind the scenes special interest power broker in state government and really engaging in, in what are political questions, choosing, hosting forums to discuss the future of the state and policy, you know, that sort of thing, which are edging into, into government. And their hiring of Cicilline as a CEO. I mean, we talked about it at the time. Like, what are they thinking? This is, it's doing that is political. There's no two ways about it. When somebody is a lifelong politician, he's been a, a mayor of Providence, a congressman, one of the big attack dogs for Democrats nationally. Yeah. When you make him your CEO, you are, you are making your organization political. And so this has the, the, the event he was going to attend a thousand dollar fundraiser or something like that was it, to me, it was him testing the boundaries. I, I mean, it's it, in a way, it's, it's very honest. This, this is the organization they have become, and he just discovered that they're not quite to the point where he can throw the throw the mask completely off. He still has to pretend uh, because they've probably got some old, relatively uh, Republican or, or relatively conservative donors to the to the charity end of the. Fin- RI Foundation, that somebody called him up and said, "No, no, 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 no! <laughs> that you're risking too much here." And I think that's that's part of it. He was, but he was called on it. And I think there's something similar, very much related in the journalism story. I mean, the Rhode Island Foundation is a political player in Rhode Island. They are a special interest, and so when they're talking about funding uh, 
journalism, uh, when they're talking about the, the need to, as, of journalism as a, as a civic institution that needs to be funded and needs support, that raises red flags. And I think we yeah. saw that in a very interesting exchange between Kathy Gregg of the Providence Journal and the editor of the, uh, of the Boston Globe's Rhode Island, uh, Rhode Island uh, branch, right. Lila, yeah. Lila Alphonse, Alphonse, I yep. think her name is. And I've had back and forth with her all the time when I've, when I've criticized reporting of, of the Globe's reporters on Rhode Island and just pointing out things I think they were missing or, or saying uh, that showed bias. And she jumps in and, and she's got the very sassy, you know, Twitter attitude. Oh, you do you, you know, that kind of thing. And it, it was kind of refreshing to see that her apply that to Kathy Gregg as well. But I think it, it shows the, the defensiveness and it, it makes you wonder, what is the Globe getting from the Rhode Island Foundation? I mean, Kathy Gregg asked her, why are you running interference for Cicilline? He can answer for himself. I'm not running interference. You know, it's just, it, I, it, Kathy put her finger on something very, very important and very, very much, um, very much of concern to Rhode Islanders. And it, it's kind of refreshing that a mainstream journalist in Rhode Island still has that kind of old school integrity to, to say, hey, this is, there's some smoke here and we need to pay attention to this. Well, uh, also the Rhode Island Foundation, Justin Katz, they, um, they're one of the sponsors of Newsmakers on Channel 12. So that's to me problematic where when then you're David Cicilline, when he encounters Tim White and Ted Nisi, as much as they want to be objective, if he pulled the funding good for you know it's the implied leverage they better be careful with the type of stories they do about him because as they encounter him um in some ways it's kind of like the new boss of the show so as much as and i know the globe will say well you know the red sox owns us and we're very critical of them maybe some of dan shaw to see some of the more senior reporters but what if you're a new reporter you're not gonna risk or if someone says gee i don't know about that you better be careful with that type of story um, I think Cicely knew exactly what he was doing with, let's face it, this whole thing is him trying to buy influence, make friends, because when Senator Reid or White House, whichever one says they're no longer running, he is announcing immediately after that to go for one of those Senate seats. And this is all the buildup. How many friends can he make? How much money can he give out? Meaning Cicilline. This is all to me, just the buildup for that. So if he can have sway over local newspapers or sway over local media but in the form of grants given by the Rhode Island Foundation it, it's all just kind of building up the war chest and to me it reminds me of back in the 90s when speaker Matt Smith on his computer they actually had kept track of favors of people they did favors for that then when the day would come that they'd want to return and say hey you owe us we got you out of this you know we need this or that type of thing folks um Quick break, much more ahead. Justin Katz, managing editor, anchorising.com, right here on the John DePietro Show. Do you need a good plumber? I found the best plumber, JMB Plumbing. Call them today, all your plumbing needs, 401 743-9153 JMB Plumbing They've been providing plumbing services for years Skilled professionals stand behind their work Guarantee you will be happy Maybe it's repairing damaged water pipes Repair clogged pipelines Maybe replace a, a water heater As well as all your plumbing needs Call them now It's JMB Plumbing 401 743 9153. Nothing throws off your life or your home or your business. When you need plumbing service, you need someone reliable, someone who's professional, someone who'll handle the job and do it right. It's JMB Plumbing. Call them today, 401 743 9153. JMB Plumbing. And look for them on Facebook. You're listening to the John DePietro Show. Folks, let's dip in local television Channel 12 Newsmakers program where they break down the race that just happened. Gary Leonard, the Republican, 35% gay bamo, the Democrat, 65%. Let's pick it up with Tim White. Of course, Democrat Gabe Amo with a resounding 65% of the vote. Gary Leonard, the Republican, with 35% of the vote, which tracks with conventional wisdom. That's about what um, uh, Republicans can get, particularly in, in CD1. Um, I think it was roughly 
66,000 votes cast in the first congressional district. Let's go uh, around the table here, and Ted, I'll start with you. What stood out to you most about Tuesday's election? Well, could, there's a lot of different things, but the thing that I keep thinking about is the consistency of the vote in this unusual special election with a first-time candidate on both sides of the ballot with previous elections. So uh, the margin was about a 30-point victory for Gabe Amo here over Gary Leonard. What was the margin for uh, Joe Biden over Donald Trump in CD1 in 2020? 29 points, Good you know, guess. exactly. <laughs> and what did David Cicilline get uh, last in his final re-election race? I think it was like up 28 points. So just this was, even though it was, the turnout was lower and it was an unusual timing, in the end it was sort of like you just shrunk the electorate and got the same kind of swath of voters on both sides. All right, so I do want to go around and see what stood out to you, but you bring up the question, is that the Republican ceiling in CD1? It tends to be the Republican ceiling. The district is so Democratic at this point. Look at the city of Providence. Normally a Democrat would get about 80% of the vote in Providence. Gabe Amo got 90% of the vote. In a couple of precincts, he got 93, 94% of the vote. And I think what's happening is the Republicans have no base at all in CD1. Years ago, they did. Right now, that's going away. And they can't say, well, I'm going to win this district well, they won three, pre three uh, towns, but by 52%, 55%, where Democrats are rank, running up 70%, 74%, 90%. How do you counter that in CD1? You're sort of the state's political historian, so I, I do want to talk about the difference in a moment uh, between now and, as you sure. alluded to then. But before we get to that, Kara, what stood out to you? You know, I, I, I agree with both what Ted and, and Joe said in that there's a ceiling and a floor. I'll also say that I thought the campaign was reasonably positive, um, mm. not necessarily the result, but I thought that it was about issues. And I think that maybe shows the line in the district between Republican issues and Democrat issues. And I think that the voters came out at, on their issues and voted that way. That's a very good point. I mean, effectively, um, and it's no disparagement of either candidate, you had a fairly generic Democrat in mm -hmm. Gabe Amo, mainstream, worked for Joe Biden, campaigning on healthcare and social security and abortion rights and et cetera. And Gary Leonard, a fairly traditional New England Republican, talking about bipartisanship, trying to have some distance with the National Party, et cetera. And that this district falls to 65-35 in that yeah, environment. Yeah, but it, everything is sort of relative. And I think it felt a little bit more, I guess, polite relative to the primary. And, right. and why? Because in a general election, there are very clear differences in policy. So in a primary, you have to attack character, right? Yes. And so I think the primary felt more negative. And in the primary, you, the, you're you going to need all the other voters who are with the other opponents to be with you in the general. Mm -hmm. So you, you don't want to say too much that has base Democratic voters mad at you if you're Gabe Amo. I just think, also I think a lot of, Gabe Amo ran a very good campaign and had a bunch of breaks, which is a great combination if, if you're running in politics. But also Gary Leonard was lacking resources. Mm. There was no one from outside coming in to give him a couple hundred thousand dollars to get on the TV. A lot of people just did not know him. So people who say, well, there's an election, I'm going to vote, they're voting the regular way, and that's Democratic in the first CD. And I think with both of them being newcomers, neither one of them had a record. Mm -hmm. So it's hard to attack what, what people yeah. are putting out about yourself. I mean, you didn't have mm -hmm. any... Uh, mud slinging because it wasn't a lot of mud defined. Well, Whereas in the CD1 didn't need to uh, mud sling. No, the I, CD1 race that. Can I just interrupt for a moment? No mud. Gabe Amo worked in the Biden White House. You have a very unpopular president, number one. Gabe Amo received an endorsement from Sabina Matos, the lieutenant governor who's under uh, her campaign, is still under criminal investigation. Gabe Amo, who was endorsed by Governor McKee, who's the subject of an FBI probe. Uh, Gabe Amo, who, in light of everything going on in Israel and all the protests, posed with the leader of Black Lives Matter and posed with the member of the squad. There's no dirt. Gabe Amo, who wants to just follow in the role of Sicily, no dirt. I think there's a there's I think there was a lot of dirt for someone that won to. Um, capitalize on it. Let's re let's return to newsmakers. Kara ran for Republican John Laughlin in 2010. I mean, we do forget CD1's been Democratic for a long time, but John Laughlin only lost to David Cicilline by six points, was it, Kara, mm, in 2010? Six, yeah. He's so, the closest, right, uh, yep. to anyone that challenged oh, David Cicilline. Absolutely. Yep. And yes. that was his first, that was both, that was the first time Cicilline ran. Um, City and Hall baggage. City Hall baggage. Um, also a terrible 
political environment nationally for Democrats. Yeah. Still coming out of the Great Recession. Obama was unpopular, et cetera. Gabe Amo had more of a tailwind here because Joe Biden's poll numbers aside, we saw it was a good night nationwide for Democrats the other night. And, you, you know, Gary Leonard, he's trying to talk about bipartisanship and lowering the temperature in Washington. Meanwhile, the caucus he was trying to join spent most of the fall campaign here with no speaker at each other's throats, yeah. putting Mike Johnson in place. So that stuff matters, too. If Gabe Amo was facing a lot of negative stuff coming up for Democrats, maybe he would have faced some other questions. But. And we haven't said the T word yet, but that was Trump. <laughs> that <laughs> Thank you. I didn't know where you were going. Sorry. <laughs> There's a few of those. Um, no, I, I think that that uh, was probably a bit of a, an anchor around Gary Leonard's uh, neck regardless, because... You know, well, traditional Republicans. I mean, right. he tried to sidestep right. that so issue. It's hard to sidestep, though, when your base is asking, are you with our president? And anybody else who you may be trying to draw in is asking, are you with that former president? Was anybody else... That, that was not an issue in this race. The issue should have been Biden and the fact that Gabe Amo wants four more years of Biden-Harris. That's what it should have been. Um, I, I find the analysis on this very, very biased and troubling. I was surprised by turnout. By Kara Cromwell, that was with the Loughlin right campaign. The first congressional yeah, district. About 19, 20 percent. Yeah. Okay, now that's depressingly low. You would like to see a much higher turnout <laughs> yeah. than that, but special election, off your election. Joe, were you surprised by that? Turnout? I was a little surprised, but then I started to look. Some of these uh, school bond issues, I think that drew voters yeah. up. Mm -hmm. Barrington, especially Middletown. The numbers were pretty high in Middletown because mm -hmm. the bond was getting them out. So that might have drew an extra five, 6,000 voters out. So, I mean, 20% still is not a great turnout at all when you have 341,000 registered voters in the district and only 66,000 come out. So, Joe, uh, we sort of touched on it briefly. Uh, it was not ancient history the last time <laughs> a Republican was winning and winning easily right. in a congressional race in CD1, 1992, Ron Makeley. Just laid on the table, how much... Has the district changed it's uh, cha for Republicans in the last 30 years? Okay, it's changed quite a bit. Back in those days, Barrington, very Republican community. True. Little Compton, Middletown, True. Portsmouth, Lincoln, and there's other communities that the Republicans could count on to build yep. up some votes to counter the city of Providence and Pawtucket. Now they don't have that anymore. So, you know, if you're lucky, you might break even in those communities. That's not enough to win the first CD when you're trying to go against the strong Democratic areas who have a lot more voters than you. Gary won North, um, North Smithfield, Smithfield 52%, uh, Winsocket 52%, I think North Smithfield is 55%. Again, they're victories, but they're small victories. Yeah. In CD1, you have to have a lot of big victories. Just to build them. You know, he's exactly right, actually. Folks, you're listening to The John DePietro Show. J. Perry Paving, high quality, fair pricing, exceptional service. Call today for a free estimate serving Rhode Island and Southeastern Mass. 401 732-1730, letter J, J. Perry Paving. Why not get your driveway paved? Maybe your parking lot. J. Perry Paving, licensed and insured, contracted company, committed to meeting their clients' needs, no matter how big, how small. Hey, learn about the benefits of asphalt paving, whether it's a brand-new paving project, just a cracked driveway that needs to be refreshed. What a difference it'll make for your home, for your business, with J. Perry Paving, call them today, free quote, 401-732-1730, 401-732-1730. Look for them on Facebook. They're also online. And remember, no one is better with veterans than J. Perry Paving. If you're a veteran or related to one, they have a special package designed for you. It'll be the most cost-efficient way to get your driveway paved or your business, J. Perry Paving, 401-732-1730.